by the end of that first week of March, we were looking at a total collapse of blood collections in the Pacific Northwest. Hi, I'm John Yeager, and this is Bloodworks 101, a podcast brought to you by Bloodworks Northwest in hopes that it'll educate or inspire you to donate either time, money, or blood. Well, that was Kurt Bailey right there, our president and CEO here at Bloodworks, discussing the impact of COVID-19 on our operations here and just how close we came to running out of blood one year ago. Now that we have the benefit of 2020 hindsight, we can begin to get some perspective on what we've all gone through in the last year. Experts tell us that we are not by any means out of the woods yet, but many feel as more and more of us get vaccinated, we're finally able to see that light at the end of the tunnel. But on this episode of Bloodworks 101, Kurt Bailey takes us back to March 2020 when there was very little light and the tunnel was growing darker every day. Seattle was the epicenter for the pandemic. Um, And if you recall that first week, schools started to close, businesses started to send employees home, and two thirds of blood collection in the Pacific Northwest comes from blood drives at schools and at businesses. And all of a sudden we were about to have uh, no blood drives in the course of just a few days. And so, By the end of that first week of March, we were looking at a total collapse of blood collections in the Pacific Northwest. And uh, we did two things. We asked um, other centers across the nation to help us out that that weekend. Um, And we got, I think, 500 units um, flown in from around the country. And then we put the call out um, far and wide and loud to the community that the blood supply was at risk of uh, collapsing. And donors started coming in. And it was the first um, few weeks of the pandemic where donors were not really sure what was coming next. And, you know, there was at that moment, no social distancing, there was no masking, there was no gloving. I mean, you know, nobody knew anything, but the community turned out and we started to collect enough blood and then folks started to understand a little bit better with help from, from our scientists around the country and around the world, you know, just how contagious this virus was. And then we began putting in safeties to keep our staff and our donors safe. And we implemented cleaning protocols and we um, kind of reorganized the layout of our donor centers. So there was more space, masks, gloving, et cetera. Um, But importantly, we went to appointment only. And that was a really big shift where you had to have an appointment to come get blood and we had to do that to keep our donor centers from getting congested. It takes a whole different way of thinking. You know, I used to be like a lot of donors. um, If if I said, oh, I'm free this afternoon, I'm just gonna drop by the central location and donate blood. I'm due, but you couldn't do that anymore. Couldn't do that anymore, but the community was paying attention and they understood that the blood supply 
um, needed their attention and they made their appointments. And that shift to appointment only, it was a big shift in the context of the pandemic, but it actually went without a hitch. It was very smooth and, and our um, donors, blood donors did not complain. And in fact, quite a few people said, well, thank goodness I can make an appointment. I can make an appointment for everything else, like the dentist. It's about time I can make an appointment for giving blood. So a lot of people saw it as actually a positive. So when we say total collapse of the of the blood supply, what does that mean? What's What's the impact? In the context of the pandemic, with an expectation that the pandemic was going to spread nationally, we were concerned about there being very little blood collected in the Pacific Northwest. And therefore we would empty out our stock, like the shelves would be empty of blood very quickly because the need for blood never stops. It's every day, it's relentless. Patients need blood here every single day. But we were also concerned that it would collapse around the country. And if that happened, we wouldn't be able to rely on other blood centers elsewhere to help us out because they would have their own collapse to deal with. Um, and that was why we reacted so decisively to alert the community to the danger because it, it really, we were at the precipice, staring over the edge into a very dark place where there was not blood for patients who could die or who would have much worse health outcomes if it wasn't available. And we never want to get to that precipice. Enter the pop-up. The pop-ups were born of necessity. In the early days of the pandemic, there were no businesses that were doing blood drives. Schools didn't have any kids in them. We couldn't do blood drives in a blood bus anyway, because you can't social distance. Can't social distance on a blood bus. And so our mobile program was dead in the water. And so we were batting around ideas and the early ideas were really terrible as they often are. And I said, well, we'll, we'll put a tent in a Safeway parking lot and we'll collect blood there. But as we started talking, we started realizing that there were going to be a lot of empty spaces. And these spaces were going to be in businesses, they were going to be in churches and schools. They were also going to be in arts venues, sporting venues, other entertainment venues. And that those couldn't be used for their normal purpose, like a ball game, but they now could be used for a, for a second purpose. And why not a second use of blood collection? And the Mariners at T-Mobile Park were already interested in having a short duration blood drive. Um, I think it was going to be in April, if I remember right. And we convinced them to do something much longer and much bigger. And of course that ran for 10 weeks and over 3,000 donors gave blood uh, at T-Mobile Park. And it was the most successful example of kind of a semi-permanent or a donor center, which we called a pop-up, no pun intended, in a ballpark. And then we replicated that across the Pacific Northwest and we did it you know, from uh, Southern Oregon all the way up to the Canadian border. And it worked wonderfully. And it was recognized by America's Blood Centers as the blood drive of the year. So um, this organization was onto something. We were onto something and um, there are a lot of fun for donors. So let's say you love airplanes. Well, we had pop-ups at Boeing Museum of Flight. Maybe you like wine. 
Well, we had pop-ups at multiple wineries. Say you love the theater. Well, we had pop-ups at the Paramount, at the Moore Theater. The list goes on. So it became a destination experience. And for me, as a former Marine Corps aviator, you know, giving blood at the Boeing Museum of Flight is about the coolest thing I can imagine. But it's also pretty cool to give blood looking up the ceiling, that great big vaulted ceiling of the Paramount Theater. How cool is that? So donors like the idea of an experience while they're doing good for their fellow humans through their donation. But also these, these, these um, venues are really spacious. So it's very easy to social distance. The patient flow in and out, for example, at the Portland Art Museum, super smooth and easy, a great big space where we could do a multi-day drive. And, you know, we hope that it helped those organizations too. And that the fact that they were doing something for the community helped them stay present in the minds of, you know, their, their members, their fan base, um, their community. So are pop-ups now the new normal? Is this how we're going to be collecting blood moving forward? It's really unclear, John, to be honest about it. We don't know. Um, we're not sure if those spaces will remain available to us. We're going to push for it. Um, and we're also not sure, you know, whether the community will kind of go back to its older expectations of needing to donate blood at their workplace or at their school or at their place of worship. We really hope the community doesn't go back to that expectation. Um, collecting blood at schools and businesses and churches can be a very fruitful thing. It also can be incredibly inefficient. And sometimes we would send our teams out to do blood drives, you know, because we didn't have much of a choice, but they wouldn't collect much blood that day. And, and they'd come home with not that many units. And that's a very expensive way to collect blood. Um, and it's pretty discouraging for our teams. So these bigger venues that draw in more donors, um, they're better for the community, they're better for our staff, and frankly, they're just more efficient. But isn't there a limitation in how the pop-up concept can work? Uh, people can't just line up anymore. It's by appointment only, as we've discussed. I talked to the staff in Olympia, for instance. Uh, they worried um, that if man-made emergency, like a train derailment or a mass shooting happened again because of social distancing, we won't be able to line up around the block, out the door around the block anymore. And um, the staff there was, uh, they, they brought it up as a, as a concern that if another Amtrak 501 happens, if another Las Vegas shooting happens, we, are, we may not be in the position to respond the way we were. So there's a drawback in one sense to the pop-up concept in your ability to collect. Um, what are we doing to address that? Well, I'm not convinced that's really a problem. So the, the, the fact is that the uh, dreadful accidents like the train derailment, the horrific violence of a mass shooting, um, those consume a few hundred units of blood, not thousands. And we have enough inventory on the shelf for a few hundred units, and we can surge, you know, to bring in a few hundred extra donors um, over a day or two really quite easily. And we don't really need people to line up around the block. And, and in fact, we would much rather, instead of giving right then in the moment that our community donors take their generosity and stretch it out 
over a longer period of time because that allows us still to ensure there's blood for the victims of whatever that horrible calamity was, but it also ensures that there's enough blood for what comes after. And so I don't worry about appointment only being um, a hindrance. In fact, what it kind of does, if you think about it, is it allows people to express their generosity and wanting to help in a way that is more fruitful over time because they have to book an appointment for when we need it. And that's actually better for the community. So I think I have my answer. I think I think there's a chance that this could be the new normal. We hope appointment only will remain the new normal forever. It really is a better model for the community than the traditional come in whenever you can. Because what happens happened in the past is inventories would get low, a blood center would go on appeal. Remember that word to go on appeal? We don't do that anymore. And you go on appeal when the inventories are low and you ask for a big rush of donors, and then your inventory spikes up again, and then it drops low again. Then you have another appeal and it spikes up again. And these wild swings back and forth are honestly sort of self-created by the blood centers and by the community. And appointment only allows us to really smooth that. And then we have higher overall inventory levels. That's safer for the community. And we have donors with more predictability over their schedule. And we only go out to appeal to the community when, you know, no kidding, something's happened that's really, really perilous, as it should be. And I wouldn't mind throwing in one more comment, if I might. The danger to the blood supply is much more around disruptions in donation patterns. It's much more around the donors that for whatever reason, they're scheduled, they were gonna donate, but they can't. So weather, for sure, but a prolonged weather event is what we really worry about. Other shocks to the system that we can't predict, but over the last year, we've had a few. We've had some no one would have believed, snow in Texas, electrical grid going down in Texas, global pandemic. Like these shocks of a nature that we never imagined before, I more worry about those preventing donors from actually keeping their appointments, not for a day or two, but for weeks. And then what do we do? What's the immediate future look like for us for 2021? Having gone through everything we've gone through, relying now on this new normal, look, looking at it as a very viable option for the reasons that you outlined, what do you see ahead now? Well, for the um, for 2021, we're going to continue to look to um, add donors to the donor base. And the return to schools, I hope, will be a really exciting way we do that. Because throughout the pandemic, very few school kids could donate. Right. So the return to schools offers us the chance to introduce blood donation to young people, which is marvelous. Um, we've had some pretty amazing community partnerships over the last year. I'm excited to see those grow and evolve as hopefully things get back to some form of, of normal. For example, how will we do pop ups in the future with our community partners? Um, and then at Bloodworks, you know, we're at this journey to improve the experience of donating blood. 
And it's both your in-person experience, but it's everything that goes around it. All the digital communications we do with our donors. And we hope that over time, that experience is going to become ever better, more intriguing and interesting, and um, a more impactful part of your overall experience of giving the gift of life. Well, that just about wraps it up for this edition of Bloodworks 101. Don't forget to make your appointment to donate. Just go to bloodworksnw.org and right up there near the top of the page, click on the word schedule a donation. We try to make it as easy as we can. For Bloodworks 101, I'm John Yeager. See you next time.